Welcome to Larry Reedy's America. Uh, my guest today is my daughter, Donna Butler, and her husband, Doug Butler. And um, they have very interesting lives, uh, four children, and without further ado, uh, Donna, let's start with you, ladies, before gentlemen. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, since we're, this isn't just a local thing, uh, where were you born, grade school, high school? I was born in Cincinnati. Oh, this is weird. What? Like, I get all this kickback. Is You're getting that? Well, let me turn it down a little where, uh, I should have tested this first. Okay, what? number four. Pull your four. chair up closer to the microphone. How, how's it now? You okay now? A little. Maybe I'm just not used to it. You're not used I, to it. Here, Mom, listen. No, this no, don't, how, no, no. Just, just uh, I can, I can turn it down. You, you okay now? Um, yeah, that's good. Okay. All that's right. Good. Okay. Born. Born in Cincinnati. Okay. I'm not going to disclose the year. Well, I will. No, you won't. <laughs> I'm exiting quick. Okay. You just said this is not just a local podcast. So. Okay. And, oh, by the way, we're also drinking some craft beer, so this might get a little bit goofy. Uh, so, uh, grade school, high school? St. Louis in Batesville, Indiana, Immaculate Conception Academy in Oldenburg, Indiana, Uh we had 40 kids in my graduating class. At Oldenburg? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think 200 and something total in the school when I yeah, was there. Yeah, had, I had 213 in our graduating class. Okay, uh, college? Marion College in Indianapolis. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk to Doug, and then I'm going to get back to you. Doug, where were you born? High, grade school, high school? Uh, born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, grade school was Christ the King, and high school was Cathedral High School. Okay. Donna, that first lousy job after college you had. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell the audience how bad it was. <laughs> so it was with a... a drugstore chain, a national chain, and they probably worked as, I was a manager in training, had no idea what I was getting into, probably worked like 70 hours a week, was unloading all the trucks, um, helping in the pharmacy, like whatever they needed, I did. Okay. And how long did you uh, tolerate that? I don't even remember. Not very long. Yeah. It wasn't a year, was it? Probably six months. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. And now what was your next move? Uh, then I went to a company called Contract Force. Uh, it was a local placement service, which is where I got my interest in HR. And uh, that company sold to Dunhill, which is a larger national placement service. So I went there and... Um, from there, I believe I went to Crow Chiswick at the time. Now it's just Crow, and they had a division called Creative Financial Staffing, which okay. was a recruiting firm within a CPA firm. Right, so Crow Chiswick was a CPA firm, but mm -hmm. much smaller than the other one you worked for. Oh, no, much larger. 
Oh, really? Crow Chiswick was a large Crow is national now. Like Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. headquartered out of South Bend. Okay. But Chiswick is gone from it. It's just Crow. Okay, Doug, after high school, what was next with you? Um, after high school, I started working at a fitness center. Okay. And I was a fitness trainer. Uh, that's where I met my lovely wife, Donna. She was working at the office park where we were located. And she was a client at the time, came in, worked out. We started dating and then ended up getting married. Now, um, what year was that? 1995. 1995. Okay. Yes. So, Donna, you met your debonair husband on a job, huh? Well, it wasn't really a job. It was my job. It was your job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And so after, how long did you stay in the fitness center? Um, I was there probably four years, five years roughly. Um, and then from there, I uh, one of the other people that I met at the fitness center was opening an insurance company. Um, so I went and sold insurance. Um, and then from there went to insurance marketing. Um, and these, some of these companies were new and now have since closed or been moved on. Um, and then from there I went to, uh, I worked at Progressive. Worked in, so I've been in a lot of different insurance fields. Yes. Um, uh, and then most recently, I work for a company called Haywire, and we're an internet service provider okay. up in Indiana. Okay. Donna, after Crow Chiswick, what happened? Is that when you started uh, uh, consulting or, or actually? Uh, so I left, I left Crow, and after I had my second child, I decided to start my own business and left and Crow was still one of my clients because we recruited for their clients mm -hmm. and they continued to feed me work. So if a bank needed a new controller, I would assist them with it. I would get the fee. I would pay them a small portion of it, but it also gave me the opportunity to start working with a small clients to do like, you know, more entry level into the HR field, like employee handbooks and policies and procedures. Um, so that was what I thought I would do long term because it fit well with raising a family. Um, you know, we had two kids. We thought we would have more at that point. Um, and then when I was about a year and a half into it, I got a call from um, a uh, partner at Somerset CPAs who her husband was the managing partner of Crow and when I worked there even though we were in a separate division he had a big corner office and I was in an office right next to him so great guy and you know we talked frequently um, I had met his wife at social events so she reached out and said, I know you're doing your own thing, but we're growing. We're hiring an HR manager. Would you be interested in talking? So um, I said, sure. I Doug and I talked. I wasn't interested in the job. I My whole goal in doing the interview was to meet them. 
I, what I knew about them is they were growing. They needed to hire 20 accountants by January. I was talking to them in mid-September. How um, many accountants did they have when they decided they had another 20? 56. 56, okay. And um, so at the time, they, were, they didn't have an HR, anyone dedicated to HR, so they felt like that was going to be a size they needed an HR manager. They needed someone to focus on recruiting. It was a hodgepodge of people doing it at the time. So my goal in interviewing was to let them know I would set up a retainer and I would help them hire those 20 accountants that they needed. And then after they got hired in, I would help them find the right accounting manager and we would have a great Christmas that year. Mm -hmm. So um, I interviewed with Pat Early, who was the president at the time and stayed the president until just uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, maybe two years. And then Steve Riddle and some of the other people who you know, started their careers there and were running the group at the time. Um, just very impressed with them. They made me an offer. I took it. And that's... And how many years ago was that? That was in 1999. 1999. Okay. And uh, Somerset grew to how many CPAs? So right now, well, total staff were right under 300. Is that all CPAs or plus staff? Plus staff. Plus staff. Okay. And uh, when COVID came about, I know a lot of people worked out of their homes. Are they back in the office? Um, they're starting to. We have a, a large portion of people who never thought they wanted to come back who are finding that they've missed the collaboration with other staff. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot more people come in. It's just a flexible work environment, yeah. more so than it was. Like for me, I usually work remote every Friday, but um, I... I can be flexible if I, you know, if I have things that I, you know, need to focus on and don't want the distraction of being in the office, I'll work from home. Okay. So, the, when you started out with uh, Somerset, did they have any type of an HR program in force? No. So, <laughs> so what did you do? To, how did you get it started? So when I first started, they told me they wanted my focus to be recruiting because yes. they needed to hire so many people. They had also um, just acquired another small firm. It was McGee Rice and Wheat. So with that acquisition, the new clients, that's what created the need for more accountants. Um, I guess my first experience at Somerset where I felt like they need a full-blown HR department and a program was I was doing how you recruit it back then because you didn't have LinkedIn and you you just pulled resumes of people you know you called them uh, emailed them um, and after every call that I made I would send a letter you know thank you for your time blah 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 so um, I had a stack of letters. I put them in the outgoing mail. And the next day I came into the office and they were all opened and on my desk and marked. 
up with a red pen. So I was like, what is this? And the person who was the office administrator came in and said, well, this is great that you're sending people letters to thank them for their time, but you didn't use the Somerset template, you didn't use our formats, you didn't use our fonts. And my response was, of course I didn't, nobody trained me. So that was kind of the beginning of, we need a training program, you can't just, you know, that can't be a good impression to hire a new person, think they've done something really well, and then they get red marks all over everything for something they haven't been trained. So that was my first experience and we developed training, we developed recruiting, we developed onboarding programs, um, and it's continued to grow every year. Okay, so uh, during that period of time, you were still recruiting, basically setting up a HR handbook for the company. Uh, did you have anybody working with you at that time? Not with me, but we hired a trainer who did amazing work, and um, she helped create some of the training programs. She had um, an education background, but she also had programming, so she could take some of the, she could understand the systems that we use, the accounting systems, and put training programs together. Okay. So that was kind of the beginning of looking at onboarding a little bit different than having accountants train all of our new staff. Okay, I'm gonna come back to you. Doug, the company you're working for now, you're basically setting up internet in apartment complexes, businesses and such. Correct, I mean, we're really focusing more on apartment buildings or multifamily buildings, um, we bring fiber into the building. Okay, on the fiber optics, who are you using for the fiber optics to come in? So um, from the street, which is where it usually comes in off of, um, we have a company called Crown Castle. Okay. They're just, well, I think they're nationwide. They are ones that bring it in from the whatever the access point is, whether it's a street, telephone pole, whatever, into whatever kind of building we want. Um, from that point then, we go in, we build up the cabinets, we put all the hardware in, run all the wiring from our main system, which is our main cabinet, out to the apartments themselves. Okay, now, are, are you just going to the larger apartment buildings? Or are you doing like four or six family, or what's your criteria? So initially, um, right now, we have just started on the larger complexes, um, but probably as we are growing, we are starting to do some of the smaller ones for some of our uh, clients that might have owned multiple companies, you know, own multiple apartment buildings. Um, but right now, we're more focusing on probably ones that are somewhere uh, in the 150 to 200 apartment range. Okay, now... So, before you go in with the fiber optics, what have they been using? So, normally, uh, most of them have been using, uh, up in Indianapolis, it's either a Spectrum, uh, AT&T, and the lines they're using are old coax lines, 
uh, old Ethernet lines where, you know, uh, so we're going in upgrading everything to uh, Cat6, which is the newest you can do mm -hmm. at the moment, um, bringing in the fiber to each apartment. So each apartment individually has fiber in it so that you're not sharing it with your neighbor or the apartment next to you or above you and below you. So, you know, if somebody uh, doesn't lose speeds or connectability, lag time if they're playing games uh, for that reason. Okay. Are, are the apartment owners paying for this or is this an individual thing? Can they, can they opt out of it or is this the, the whole network for the apartments? So, so what we've been doing is some of the newer apartment buildings we're doing now, the apartment themselves are paying us and they're building it into the rent for the apartment. Okay. Um, some of the older ones we have, like the apartment would say was already there and they've just remodeled it or we've gone in and done it. Those people we bill on an individual basis because they might already have a contract with a Spectrum or an AT&T, okay. may not want our service. So some of those people, so it kind of depends as we're going forward, we're trying to get more um, new builds. Um, so with a lot of the new builds, we can tell them what we want to put in, where things want to need to go. And the new builds, that's when they're adding it into the actual rent for the apartment person. So that is their only option at that time. Well, on the, what kind of speeds download and upload are you bringing to these apartments? So uh, we usually do, uh, we usually have two set different price points and obviously depending on what you can get in there. Um, usually the lowest is we're looking at 300 megabytes. So if you go in there, and this is wirelessly, if you go in there with a smartphone, laptop, a gaming system, to do wirelessly, um, you're usually getting around 250 to 300 upload and download speeds. Um, we do have another plan that you can get up to a gig. Um, if you get up to a gig, um, most things can't quite go that far, so you usually get about 850 to 900. Yeah. Um, you can hardwire in, so the wireless access points that we use have ports in the bottom. So you could hardwire in if you wanted to, to like a gaming system. Um, there, you're gonna have a gigabyte come down, so lag time for playing games, that stuff is gonna be almost obsolete. Yeah, wow. So, the uh, what are the costs for these plans for the apartment? Um, it varies a little bit depending on which apartments, but usually, on average, um, for the 300 megabyte plan, it's usually $49.99. 99 and since we don't do TV or anything else it literally is just a flat price there's no uh, taxes or anything like that because we don't do all the TV all the other stuff um, usually for the uh, gig plan you're usually looking at 69.99 again no taxes no extras in there it's just a flat price and that's what you're getting well you know I, and I've told you this before but for the audience uh, in the metropolis of Ballstown, which uh, I think is maybe 30 people, uh, I've suffered with AT&T for years for internet. And uh, on a good day, I might pull 20 megs on a download and five on an upload, and that's rare. 
uh, I waited two and a half years for Starlink. And even though uh, Starlink is a Tesla thing, uh, they have 4,200 satellites in orbit right now. And in five years, they expect to have 40,000. And the average life of a satellite's five years, and it will disintegrate into small pieces in the atmosphere. But in a more populous area, you're, they, they do 250 megs a second. But I'm pulling from maybe 85 to 190 megs per second with about a 20 meg upload, and it's sensational. The cost on that, first of all, I waited two and a half years to get Starlink, and there was about, uh, I think, $550 in equipment plus the installation of it, and it's $110 a month. But, I, I, I mean, it's just so much better that we can actually stream 4K movies and such, but those prices you have, I mean, a gigabyte download for $69 a month, that's just nuts. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, um, the, the president of our company, um, I think his big thing was is he wants to be better than the Spectrums, the AT&Ts, not necessarily just on cost, but on service, you know, it's... And quality. And quality. I yeah. mean, he wants to, you know, you can text us, you can email us. It's not always has to be a phone call where you're going to call and get put on hold or get shifted from here to there. We're not going to try to sell you more. It's like, hey, I've got a problem. and We'll go out and fix it, get it taken care of, do it right, make the customer the, the best person the met the best option we can because he that's where we're going to grow okay and so that's that's why he's price pointing it at a good price to where we can make money and do everything but also it's good for the customer themselves yeah so in a side note we have spectrum at home yeah we're paying what you pay and it sucks (laughs) really it, it constantly times out we have leg time and we don't have many choices no. of who we can go with because there is a monopoly, like a duopoly. Doug, a duopoly. AT&T and Spectrum. Yeah. They can only do, it. you can only do apartments. You can't come into residential unless they bring in Wi-Fi with a point of sight or is that what it is? Yeah. it's Really? Yeah, so we can... Who's controlling that? Is it, is it their influence and money thing? It's with, their influence and their money. Because, a, isn't it a regulation? Like, well, well, yeah, but who influences regulations? Right. <laughs> and, and some of that is because they're so big and they have so much money that they can run the infrastructure into uh, neighborhoods and houses. Yeah. Right now, we're still a small company, so to be able to run... You know, a neighborhood of, let's say, 500 houses, the cost is astronomical. But for them, because it's such a large company, they can come out there and run those lines and feed off of them. And so for them, compared to us, it's pennies on the dollar, if you will. So what if you have a new residential build? New construction, so, right. they could, could they, in theory, bring haywire so in, in? So what's happened up in Lafayette, we have um, apartments on the um, 
west side of Lafayette Purdue's campus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Discovery Park. They're building a whole, they built a whole new area there with um, five apartment buildings, and they're building single family homes. But Purdue is thinking ahead, so what they've done is they've literally run fiber to the whole area. Wow! So we've got we are currently hosting all of the apartment buildings, and out of the 130 houses they have for phase two, we already have like 25. Wow. Because they've already been, the fiber's already been run and everything. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, it is between us and I, um, there's one other company that might have an option to go in there, but they don't have any coax. So like a Spectrum AT&T, they won't even touch it because it's not worth their time. Yeah. So, so that's one of the things that if it's a new community and they're forward thinking and they put fiber into the new community... Then that's a different ball game. But, you know, you go into communities like where we live up in Indianapolis. It's old. You're running through the telephone lines and stuff like that. And the, just the infrastructure is so expensive. Yeah. So how, what did your boss start in business? So he started a company called Apparatus um, and probably started early 2000s. Um, it was an IT company, IT consulting company. Um, he sold it, uh, I think, 2015. Um, and then started us up in 2019. 2019. Yeah. So really, fairly, and and you were one of the first employees. Yeah, I technically was employee number one. You were employee number one, really. Yes. So how many people is working now? Uh, we have seven. Seven. Yeah. So the future's bright. I I am hoping so. Yes, the future's yeah. bright. We uh, this the next two years we're really growing exponentially. Um, where we're going to start having to hire more people. We've already hired two people this year. Um, so I, I, I just see it progressing from here and going out. Yes. Wow, that's great. Okay, I'm going to come back to you. Sure. Donna, mm-hmm. let's get back to HR. So today, kids in college, a lot of them are confused. They don't know what they want to do. Is... The HR field something that college kids should look at? Absolutely. I mean, they just have to decide what their area of interest is, but it's a huge field. It, it used to be, like when I started in it, HR was more um, viewed as administrative. Today, it's more strategic. You know, you... You can have a seat at the table. You can influence processes, procedures that make the company a better company, makes it more profitable. Um, okay, but let's, let's go back. When you were in college, they didn't have an HR program per se. So I went to Marion. Yes. And it was very small, still is, but they have an HR program now. Yeah. When I was there, you went into business management and or business and then you either got marketing management or an accounting concentration some of the larger schools may have had hr then or at least you know a a concentration in it but now it's you know a, a more of a focus in a business school okay so is there a demand right now for hr people there is i think um covid created a very large demand um, because they realize how many things that have not been addressed, like the whole 
hybrid remote situations um, it's it's you know it's, it's a challenge like in our company you know we were primarily hiring Indianapolis people but you hire someone remote who lives in California they have a whole nother set of laws so any payroll laws you have to make sure you're enforcing all of the state laws not only federal so um, definitely um, just looking at the workforce and the challenges that the workforce has and recruiting has become a huge challenge uh, people I, I think it's changing there's a shift but for a while uh, so many like in our field accountants were in such high demand they were jumping ship left and right to go to a company for more money, work 100% remote. I think they're now seeing that working 100% remote isn't great. You know, no. it's kind of lonely. It's isolating. Yeah, isolated, no social no right. life at all. And yeah. then even the the economy has slowed down. You know, those those offers that people were getting to leave public accounting that had like twenty, thirty thousand dollar pay increases half of those companies have had layoffs now mm -hmm. so so if uh, well you know your niece Jill is in HR I know she worked for for Somerset I know, while but, she was in college yeah. and I tried to recruit her to work for one of our subsidiaries well now she didn't go to college with the idea of being in HR did she I don't. Nursing. Yeah, she started in nursing and then yeah. ended. Was her degree in business? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I, I don't mean, know if she had a, any kind of focus in the HR. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But I mean, it, so so basically, if a young girl in college or young guy and wanted to get into HR, the hiring, say a not a small company, but a mid-sized company would hire her. What can she expect as a, or her, him as a starting salary today in an HR? Or is that, it can't, it's just very... It's so, going to vary across yeah. the board. I, I, like, my best advice, if someone thought they might be interested in HR, get an internship, focus okay. on HR. I mean, I think in almost any field internships are so important like when I was in school they were out there but they really weren't a requirement you know now if you don't have an internship it's pretty tough to get into yeah. a field well, well you know speaking of internships Monica Robbie Robbie and Monica these are Robbie's a grandson uh, Monica did an internship in Manhattan for uh, Shark Tank, Four Roses, and a couple other companies. Uh, Ted, our son Ted, got his son Teddy, who's a senior at Mississippi State this year, uh, got him an internship at Channel 19 in Cincinnati. He's going into uh, communications, and I think, I, I mean, it's great, but a lot of the internships, if somebody knows somebody, I mean, it's really, I don't think, uh, Teddy's really, really good at what he does without Ted knowing someone in the, in 
Channel 19 and in the media area from his job, I don't know that Teddy could have got internship in Cincinnati, which is really going to help him a lot. Absolutely. I mean, again, it depends on your field. Like in accounting, you you really, if you plan to go into public accounting, you work that into your school schedule to get it, you know, when you can, a spring internship. A summer internship isn't going to give you the best experience. Um, But like this past year, we had 18 internships. There was no external influences. We do campus recruiting. We do campus interviewing. Um, We look for... So what's your criteria for accepting somebody in an internship? So we typically look for people who... um, Well, good GPA is kind of a given in the public accounting industry, uh, but also has involvement in other activities, someone who can show that they can keep a strong GPA but still be involved either in a sport or um, outside activities, um, have another job. Usually if you you need to be able to multitask in our industry. So when someone is interested in being a CPA and he's doing an internship, basically he's shadowing a CPA or not? Well, every firm is going to be different. Our firm is a little bit uh, unique in the fact that we have built our internship program to mimic what a first-year staff will do. Really? So we want them to have that exact same experience. They're going to be pulling the same type of work. We want them to work those long hours so they know, like, if you take a full-time position with us, this is what the first few years are going to look like. We want to make sure that they understand that, they can do it. Um, You know, we probably, I would say... 60 to 70% of our interns become full-time hires. Um, And, you know, it may also help people decide, I like accounting, but maybe public accounting is not for me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I mean, that's why we do the internships. Well, you know, years ago when I went to work for Sun Oil Company, uh, in my first interview, they said, you know, we're... We don't hire people just to be a territory manager. We want somebody who eventually is going to be a president of the company. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, the, the, you're just blowing smoke. I said, I, I, you know, there's limitations, and, and I understand that. But when you're getting an intern, do, do they expect to be a partner someday if they work in public accounting or are they just going to be satisfied with that they're going to make good money being a good CPA and maybe never making a partner? So I think the great thing about working at our company at least is it's an individual choice. Yeah. If you if you are on a partner track and that's what you want, well, um, I'm gonna. We were, we were acquired by a publicly traded company in February, so we're now CBiz. Our yeah. business unit is still Somerset, um, so there are no partners any longer. But a managing director is the equivalent. Um, so 
you know, we have people who don't want that too. We mm -hmm. have people who want to have a good career, make good money, make a difference. And you can go on and be a senior manager, a director, and that might be the path you want to go. But if you are on a managing director track, we know it and we work with you on it. That's right. You know, you know, like what you need to do to get there, whether it's revenue generation, client generation, you know, there's there's a plan for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to pause back to Doug. Doug, what is your company's long-term plan? Um, the long-term plan is that we would like to We would like to try to push Spectrum and AT&T as much as we can and get the duopoly of the Internet out of Indianapolis to, to show people there's a, a better and maybe less expensive way to get Internet. Um, fiber is kind of the way to, of the future and kind of the way to go. Um, but I think um, a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand... You know, they, they, hey, I turn my TV on, I got my cable, that's all I need. Um, so I think probably our, our long-term plan is that we can make a dent in something as far as getting AT&T and Spectrum and that duopoly of the Internet away from them. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. And yep. consumers expect more today. I mean, with so many people working remotely, I, I, it's impossible to, you know, if I'm on a Teams call and my internet cuts out, oh. like I'm not paying what you're paying and have my camera not functioning. Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, uh, I think one of the things that happened with COVID, Zoom became a real force companies right and I, I don't know if it still is a real force but if if I was president of a major corporation and you could have zoom instead of sending somebody from Cincinnati Ohio to LA for a meeting and paying for the flight motel hotel food and everything I mean it's really kind of stupid because right. the interaction yep. on Zoom is tremendous. the same right and I is that still a big thing it's now the codes over or companies reverting back to the dumbass thing of sending people and giving them unlimited expense accounts and such I don't think so I still think um, after COVID a lot of people still working from home I think that Zoom and other ones like that are, yes. are a big thing because, um, you know, we get people all the time in the apartments when we're in there doing it. They're like, hey, I've got a Zoom call or I've got this. And, you know, so I think that's a big thing. As like Donna said, I think, you know, with the Zoom calls and the live meetings and not dropping calls, the streaming, um, that's all going to be here. And I think it's going to stay for the next Millennia. I, I think it's just going to get, like you said, I think if you're stupid enough to pay somebody, if they don't have to be there in person, and the expense the expense of sending them somewhere else, that Zoom call is so much better. You get the same interaction. 
you see the person, so on and so forth. And a lot of people are still working from home or like Donna is or my, like my son, they work from home three days a week. So you've got to have that, you know, the, the, the internet connection. You've got to have all that interaction uh, because working from home is, I think, is a, a, a thing to stay since COVID. Yeah. So every meeting I schedule, I Teams is the Microsoft virtual okay. meeting. So it's like a Zoom. But every meeting I schedule internally, I have, if you're not live, I always add a Teams link. So half of my meetings are Teams. And like our audit team, they used to, you know, it's, it's hard to attract auditors who don't, when, you know, it's traveling might be really glamorous when you first start your career, but once, Not with the airlines today. But, <laughs> but pre-COVID, I think, you know, if people wanted to travel, you get yeah. to go to some nice places. But, you know, a few years into your career and you start settling down and having a family, that travel isn't as attractive. Yeah. So we've been able to cut our travel time so much for even our audit staff who were used to traveling. And now they can do a lot of the work via Teams or Zoom with their clients. The company can save a lot of bucks. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, normally, most companies, if they save money like that, it's reflected in bonuses, too. Right. And I, I just think it's a, wave, it's a wave of the future, that, and it, it's here now. Right. I hope it never leaves, because I think uh, companies paying, you know, somebody like going to Louisville and eating at Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. So, I mean, how stupid is that? Yeah. You know, the, you know it's, it, it doesn't have to happen. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of travel plays on people because you're in a plane so long and you get someplace, you have to rent a car, you fight traffic, then you go to a meeting. I think it a meeting and be very I think Zoom is really neat and I know there's other venues that right. are just great too So, and also I think one thing is nice is that um, you can do it while you're on vacation well, so, like, right. so like you know if you want to say hey I'm going to spend a month in Florida or wherever you like to go you can sit there and do work do Zoom calls do all that stuff so much more remotely than you used yeah. to be able to um, I think it's yeah. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, and I, I think you know there there should be maybe a couple meetings a year. I, again, you the social the social aspect of it face to face with people is better than Zoom, but it, it doesn't have to be all the time. Right. And it's just uh, and I, I often wonder how all these uh, car rental companies will survive. <laughs> Because the, the traveling is definitely not what it used to be. So, okay, Don, back to you. Okay, so the, with the new company, big big time changes, new systems and everything. Explain to you, how, how large is this new company? Uh, so CBiz has probably six to seven thousand people whoa <laughs> that's pretty big it's it's very large yeah. um so they've got we're we're just kind of going into regionalization um i think they've 
they've grown a lot by acquisitions. Yeah. They've acquired a lot of CPA firms. So um, trying to work on more centralization because a lot of the firms have come in and still function like they used to. But I think there's a need for us all to do things the same way yeah. if we're going to be successful. And it's just easier. Like I was looking for, oh, great. This means we're going to have a new procedure for evaluations or performance management. And they have something, but I was told, well, a lot of the offices do whatever they used to do. For us, it's gone. We don't have a performance management system, yeah. so we are adapting. Well, you know, it's, it's like that in every business. I talked to Ronnie Weigel. He was on a podcast and a funeral director, and he opted to go with the, the big funeral homes. And, and the thing is, uh, even Chris Alt, chiropractor, he said he was approached and said, well, how would you like to work less hours and make as much money as you do now? He said, I'm in. So it's a thing that's happening, and it's not all bad, because uh, sometimes in a small business, you're just working yourself to death. And you're, uh, I know from... Being a small business owner, I, I missed a lot of stuff. He had to work a lot of hours, and uh, uh, it, it's making it easier, you know, longer life, better life, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, this is a great move for our organization. Our accountants are going to have more opportunities. They have more opportunities to specialize. Um, you know, we can be a resource for a New York office if we have a practice that they don't have and vice versa. And, you know, we spent so much time trying to figure out processes and procedures and software and people at the top who are leaders who should be out charging their time had to, they, they were in meetings constantly. So, you know, fast forward, we've got departments and teams that can build those processes and procedures out and determine what the best software is. So the people who should be out dealing with clients, that's what they can do. Mm -hmm. So, okay, back to Doug a minute. Uh, do you have, besides the installation and everything, do you have an IT person that works for your company? Yes. Okay. So he's programming everything for your installations and stuff. Correct. How far can your company take this as far as being an, really innovative and not just being one of the top people that go to apartment buildings and things like how, how far can this go with your company? I think it can go as far as we'd like it to go. Um, you know, um, the owner of the company had an IT consulting firm that was sold, and I think he has uh, not only the innovation and the knowledge, I think he has the wherewithal of hiring the correct people to get this to go where he perceives it to go. Um, let's say he wants it to go, you know, to the roof of a house, he could take it there. So I think it just boils down to where Kelly, which is my the owner of the company, where he wants to take it. 
Um, I don't know the whole long-term plan, but uh, I, I could foresee him with the knowledge of people that he knows, hiring processes that we have in plan, that we could make a big dent in this and do a, do a really good job. Does he want to be in multi-states or just stick around Indiana? He wants like he'd like to be in multi-states. Okay. Um, now, is that nationwide? I don't know. Is that just the Midwest? Could be. Um, I know probably right now we are strictly just in Indiana, but I know we've had some talks about going into Kentucky and some other places. So it just kind of depends on where we decide to go to next. It seems like it's a wide open market because I'll tell you, almost every small city and some of the big cities, they lack apartments. I mean, there's really an apartment shortage. Right. Not everyone wants to be a homeowner. Not everyone can afford to be a homeowner. And I think these rentals will eventually level out because you some of the some of the greed involved in the multi-apartment owner uh, people uh, is sickening. Sure. But uh, maybe I think that'll eventually even out. But I think the young people today they're getting number one they're getting married later in life. There's always two incomes now. When uh, Nancy and I got married. Uh, all of our friends, once you were pregnant with seven or eight months and your wife put work in, that was the end of it, one-income family. Everybody's a two-income family today, and they're very, very mobile. They spend money. That's why the advertisers always want to target the younger people because they will spend the money on some things worthwhile, some crazy stuff like going to a Taylor Swift concert and paying $1,500 for a ticket. Yes. So, uh, but I think they got, I think you got a wide open field and I, I, I hope you guys have the best of luck. And Donna, with your company, uh, I, I think you've had tremendous growth over the years They'd probably the smart thing for you you might uh, might might not have to be a jack of all trades and get a little more time off and such uh, so I think it's a good deal and uh, we're up to the 50 minute mark so uh, you didn't think we lasted you <laughs> see they were dead against us but uh Anyway, I think that craft beers helped them a little bit. <laughs> it did, yes. So, uh, Donna, any words of wisdom for people that in going to college or in college now, and uh, they might want to look at uh, an HR career? I just think, you know, Get in touch with someone, do a, a shadow day, do an internship. Um, you know, there's there's so many choices in careers today, but I, I feel like there are so many different opportunities in HR and, you know, it's broken down too. You can do benefits, you can do recruiting. Like you said, I feel like I grew up being a jack of all trades because 
it was me at Somerset. So mm -hmm. I learned a little bit about all of that, but you can go into benefits, you can get certifications for just benefits um, if, if you like. I enjoy doing a little bit of everything and and um, I think there's opportunities for that in small to mid-sized companies but if you want to specialize those opportunities are out there too okay Doug how about you um, I agree with Donna you know I think uh, internships are really important uh, I think the information systems field is growing and it's going to keep growing um, with today's technology you know, there's so many different aspects of it. You can go into coding, cybersecurity, um, electronics, like working your boards, you know, Taylor Swift concerts, doing stuff there. Just so much depending on what you want to specialize in. And I think, you know, when you go to college, figure out what you want, either by doing internships, what you don't like, and try to focus kind of on that way. But I think information systems in the future is going to be there and uh, it's going to stay. Yeah. And I'm going to throw out, if you get an HR degree and a minor in IT, it's oh. a golden ticket. Because oh. everything we do is IT driven. Oh, yes. And innovation, strategic, I mean, that's what our son, Ethan, works, he's worked at Haywire for what, three summers? Four? And he's uh, studying informatics at IU. And I have said, if you have any interest in HR, get an HR minor. Yeah. You you can write your ticket if you are in informatics and yeah. HR. By, by the way, Doug and Donna have four sons. Uh, Tyler will argue over anything. <laughs> Jack is a very aggressive uh, worker. Uh, Sam thinks he's going to be governor of Indiana. And president of the U.S. And president, maybe. And he won't change a shitty diaper. Uh, and uh, Ethan is hard worker, and he will be probably IT guy, I think. So anyway, I think we're going to kind of wrap this up. I want to thank Doug and Donna for being on here. And I'm, we're going to drink some more craft beer, by the way. And... Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, we're going to go to the uh, National Anthem right now. And again, thank everybody for listening. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. <laughs>